Welcome to a podcast from Hope Church Glasgow. For more about us, check out hopechurchglasgow.org. Hi, and welcome to the podcast. Um, uh, wherever you're listening to this, uh, you are welcome. And uh, I, I want to just uh, speak again from the book of Mark. This is not exactly kind of sequential. We're kind of dotting around. I, I've always found God speak to me through the Gospel of Mark. It's like, it's the shortest Gospel. It's like a, a summary. It's concentrated, which I like. I like a good summary verse. I like a good heading. I like I like that um, punchy. And Mark's written that way. And, and then you can kind of ping off from it and get more details from Luke and John and, of course, Matthew. So, uh, yeah, yeah, we're not exactly exegeting things in order here, but... Um, that doesn't matter, does it? So wherever you are, I'm just going to read a, a bit out of Mark 6. And today's topic really is is grappling with this idea um, that, that honour is the key to revival. And uh, it's become, certainly in our world, we've used that word a lot. And so it's kind of lost its meaning a little bit. Uh, and we started to use the word because I think we were using the word love quite a lot, and love lost its meaning. So this is a this is a bit of an attempt to recover the depth of, of what it looks like to love one another well in order that we can see God do amazing things uh, through us and, and to us from one another. So it, it, we're going we're gonna to dive in together, and, and I'll read it for you, because if you're driving a car, I don't really want you trying to, trying to read the Bible. So Mark 6, verse 1. He went away from there and came to his hometown, and his disciples followed him. And on the Sabbath he began to teach in the synagogue. And many who heard him were astonished, saying, Where did this man get these things? What is the wisdom given to him? How are such mighty works done by his hands? Is not this the carpenter, the son of Mary, and brother of James, and Joseph, and Judas, and Simon? And are not his sisters here with us? And they took offence at him, and Jesus said to them, A prophet is not without honour, except in his hometown and among his relatives and in his household. And he could he could do no mighty work there, except that he laid his hands on a few sick people and healed them. And he marvelled because of their unbelief. So he marvelled because of their unbelief. Um, a long time ago now, longer than I really care to remember, um, I was praying, I was seeking God for more breakthrough in the supernatural because I read the Gospels and could see that Jesus in the Gospels was was a healer, was a, was was a, an agent of God's supernatural. Uh, and I knew I was meant to be conformed to his likeness in the fullest sense. So not just have a great character, but display the fullness of Jesus. But it wasn't really happening in my life as I would want. And, and he spoke to me through this this passage um and i and i spoke and i preached a message on it to the church i was pastoring at the time and there just happened to be a nationally recognized prophet uh, of some some renown in those days um uh, had had decided to make our church his base for a few years an amazing amazing guy and he was in he was in church that week listening to my my message, I, th- I think I was probably only in my late 20s, you know, pretty still wet behind the ears, uh, finding my feet as a leader, to be honest. And, and I preached this message out of this passage and he came up to me uh, afterwards and, and he said, 
He said, this is a, this is a word, it's a key message for our nation. <laughs> I don't know whatever I was, maybe 28, 29 at that point. What do you do with that? I really respected this guy. Um, and I, I went on from there and God spoke to me. He said, there's plenty of prayer taking place in our nation for revival and for breakthrough. But the capacity of the people in the church to receive the people I'm going to use as revival catalysts is limited. And so the work I can do is limited. Honor really is the key to revival in the UK. And I'm like, what do I do with that? <laughs> this is a long time ago. And I struggle with that. And, and actually, every time I was in an environment where somebody or some group were really celebrated, really, really honored, in a genuine way, I'd, I'd, I'd start to weep. I'd even start to weep listening to recorded messages where that happened. Uh, but I had no, I really, to be perfectly honest, didn't really know what it meant. I just knew it was somehow important. And what was, what was staggering to me um, was how Jesus somehow, this mighty anointed son of God was somehow limited in, by the environment that he he went into so this is kind of ruminating away somewhere in the back of me uh in the back of me in the back of my mind and um the just i saw plastic and superficial things i saw this sort of honor thing hyped up i saw money used as honor it's some some of it which it can be but some of it was just a bit strained and a bit ugly and a bit plastic um and then 11 years ago i took my first visit to bethel church in redding california which some of you would be familiar with and uh, i found a place that talked about this word honor and found it it was cultural so it was it was in the environment like everybody was getting a handle on this and we sat in a in a course actually for a week run by a, a, a guy who became a friend, Danny Silk, who, who had just written a book called Culture of Honor. We're like, well, what's this all about? And, and what 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 did we find? It, it, well, we didn't find like superficial applause for a leader, or it, it was more that people's value for each other was everywhere where everyone was honoring someone else. It was an atmosphere with no judgment. So you could have this crazy dream from God and no one would treat it with cynicism. They would just celebrate the fact that God was, was speaking to you. There's a set of attitudes in that culture um, that was actually had cost them a lot to develop. Um, and, and they'd escaped a culture of cynicism and skepticism and started to release celebration, value, respect, all those sort of yummy things to one another. And it created this atmosphere inside which all kinds of amazing miracles were happen happening. And, and so in our passage here, let's just kind of get back to the scripture here. Jesus is doing something that, that it's easy to miss. He actually links a number of concepts together. He says the prophet... So he says that they took offense that the prophet isn't without honor and he was marveled because of their unbelief. So he's actually linking offense, honor, and faith 
together. Um, he says, in effect, if you're offended by someone because you think they're a bit too big for their boots, someone who was just like you and now is knocking it out of the park somehow, you know, you used to know them and now they're just doing something amazing, and they're knocking it out of the park in the public arena, you can limit their function in God if you still insist on assessing them by what you used to know about them. He's saying here to these people or about these people that if you're suspicious of how that person got what they got because you knew them when they weren't like that, you can limit what they are to you and you don't receive what they are now. And actually, bigger than that, you really limit what others can receive from them. You can become, you can be so familiar with them and their family that you can only see them through the lens familiarity and and you end up judging them and so limiting their effect um, it's like locking them and you into your old experience of them uh, and, and an inability somehow in Nazareth to let go of that although I'm sure they'd heard the stories of Jesus they they must have heard what he was been up to everywhere else and yet it clearly says that he 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 marveled at their unbelief and he was able just to heal a few sick people, but he could do no mighty work. Now, just before this and after it, Jesus Jesus is a walking revival. Scores, hundreds of people are being delivered, healed, blessed mightily by him. And here it all shrinks down. It's as if they couldn't let go of, of, of their history with him and see him for who he was right now. And, and, and what it tells us is you get out of people what you value in them. And familiarity, judging the book by the cover, wanted to think perhaps that you're as good as, as they are, so you've got to shrink them down to your size, puts a limitation on what God can deliver to you through them. And even more importantly, what, deliver can, what God can deliver to your whole community through them. There was such a... Uh, a collective effect in this community that the whole atmosphere of one which restrained God. Can you believe that? But it's actually saying it, it's actually possible to constrain what God can do amongst us by the way we receive or otherwise, by the way we value, celebrate, open our hearts to the people God sends us who are gifted and anointed to bless us. That's I find that absolutely shocking, but it is true. It's not automatic just because God is God, he is powerful, he is amazing, that amazing things are just going to happen. That's not an automatic thing. You'll perhaps remember that uh, when it said that Jesus comes from Nazareth, when uh, that's being reported to the Sadducees and Pharisees, they said, well, can anything good come out of Nazareth? So I was had a bit of a reputation as a town. And, and and you think that right here is a moment where they could have changed that reputation. What just imagine from a what if their response to Jesus had been something a little bit more like this. Jesus, we remember you. You made pretty decent kitchen cabinets back in the day, and we see you're doing some mighty stuff you didn't learn here from your certainly from your earthly dad. Please show us. You mean a lot to us. Come on, be awesome. We want your success. Let's celebrate you. Come on, everyone. Jesus is here. 
He left us as a carpenter and now he's doing miracles and saying amazing stuff. Let's welcome him as a great son of our town. He's honouring our town. He will be forever known as Jesus of Nazareth. What if they'd loved Jesus like that? What if they'd received him like that? I think that could have been a great moment that would have changed, uh, would have changed their reputation uh, considerably because something amazing had come out of Nazareth and he was called Jesus Christ. And I'd personally experienced this on a few occasions, but one of the sort of hallmark moments I remember was actually a little bit before that first trip to Bethel. I got invited to a conference down south in England that my friend Pete Carter was running, and he'd invited uh, Bill Johnson to it. And there's maybe six or 700 people in this room, and I was enjoying the worship. And I started to feel like God had given me a prophetic word. Now, it was a season in my life where I was quite used to giving prophetic words to large gatherings. I'd prophesied in gatherings of thousands, prophesied to thousands of leaders, with with in that season really great effect, and 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 I was kind of respected in that way uh, by by the leaders and the movement that I was part of, and 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 so I'd kind of prophesied in front of very significant leaders before, uh, and God had really used it. So I felt I got this word and uh, I said to Pete, can I bring it? He said, oh, yes. And it just so happened that that Bill, who I'd never met at this point, uh, was sitting, I don't know, six to ten feet away on the front row. And, and I started to give give this word. And, and Bill starts is looking at me as I'm giving this prophecy, Bill Johnson. And I, um, something about the way he is drawing on what I'm saying is was so powerful that 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 I began. I needed two people to hold me up. It was like he was sucking out of me everything that I had, and he didn't know me. He had no idea if I was a good prophet or a bad prophet. But his attitude and his default was on. His default was I'm receiving. His default seemed to be like oh, I want everything good that God is delivering through this man standing in front of me, and it was completely overwhelming experience that that i've as you can tell i've never forgotten i've had people ask me since well you know if it had not been bill or just some other person would you have responded that way and it's kind of hard to answer that hypothetical but i do know i prophesied in major way in front of major leaders before who were grateful and thankful but and they were people that i loved and deeply respected but none of them had had this effect on me so that's one side of it. And I'd also say I've done a fair bit of traveling and ministering in places. And you can really tell in the atmosphere of the group how well they're sucking it out of you or not. And it really makes it, it I think traveling like that helps you see how much difference this can make. So that, that, that would be my answer. I know it doesn't fully answer the question, but it, it's kind of a little bit hypothetical. So there's something incredibly powerful. There's something incredibly uh, important for us to grasp. It, it, those of us, we just live in a in such a, a cynical culture. More than we more than we realize, it's sometimes good to travel even to other nations that are less cynical to realize that we live in a a culture too. As a, a friend of mine, and we mentioned this in an earlier podcast, he defines the culture as a, a place where we believe what we want go where we want, do what we want, and say what we want. And that kind of say what we want culture really has 
corroded and eroded expressions of, of respect, which is kind of related to honor. So so what can we learn? How how can we how can we step into this in the positive so that that, that we individually, us corporately don't don't create Nazareth situations so we can fully experience everything God has delivered to us, delivered for our nation, delivered for our individual life. Because uh, I fully believe that as we learn to do this, it's like this this thing, this celebrating the person in front of us, celebrating what they carry in God, valuing what they carry in God, makes a space in us to receive more fully what God has got for us. And I think the first thing that that, that we need to learn is that, that honour is something we give to others. Too many people, when they hear messages about this, go on the hunt for honour. They become... Uh, what what I call they they're on on a they're not on a, a thermostats that actually looking to measure the temperature and I think that's really really unhelpful if you see yourself as the as the person who is assessing the level of honour in the environment as to whether it's honouring or not you completely missed. The point of this. this this would be my definition of a of our culture of honor is is that it's one where not isn't one where everyone feels honored but it's one where the majority see it as their job to give honor to others to give true value to, true respect true celebration to others it's not something we go around receiving um, we're not taking the temperature uh, we're not thermometers, is what I'm trying to say. It, it's about being the thermostat. It's about setting the temperature. So I'm going to say it again, a culture of honour is not one where everyone feels honoured. It's one where at least a majority go around and it's their intent, they're intentionally wanting to give that, that honour, that value, that respect to the people around them. And so this, this makes sense of some of the scriptures about this, actually. So Romans 12, 9 to 10, again, I'll read it for you. It says, let love be genuine. Abhor what is evil. Hold fast to what is good. Love one another with brotherly affection. Outdo one another in showing honor. So to me, honor is an expression of brotherly affection. It's an expression of genuine love. It, it, re, it requires us to be on with one another. It requires us to pay attention to what God has said to our friends and those around us. It, pay, it calls us to pay attention, to look for the gold and look for the glory and look for the God inside the wrapping that is our friend, uh, our colleague, our leader, whoever it is around us. Because really what, what this is intended, this is intended to make the body of Christ function awesomely because it helps us draw the, the nutrients and the goodies that God has given us, but it's sat in people next to us. So we're not created to be independent. We're created to need one another. And how do we get that nutrient, that supply out of the people around us? We do it by celebrating, by seeing, by drawing on the nutrients that they have. So that requires us to honor and celebrate what they have and receive it in our hearts. Um, how, how do we get to that place? I, I think the first thing that, that we really need is, is is our own hearts healed up. I think if our own hearts are, are carrying a, a level of brokenness 
uh, we've not received the, the deep love of the father we've not enjoyed yet his unconditional acceptance his joyous celebration of us if we we've not received that that um, welcome and that well done and that that unconditional love from him then we tend to go around needing it and looking to receive it from others whereas what what we're talking about here is being a people who give that to others because we've received that from him and sometimes we need our hearts healed a little uh, from scars and wounds of the past but the love of the father he's a good father he's powerful enough he's deep enough he's wide enough he's is intense enough is sweet enough to bring healing to 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 any scar and position us as people who can give that respect that value to others rather than needing to receive it for ourselves all the time so that that's the first thing really in terms of stepping into this and for us to be better at uh, receiving one another and i think it's one of the reasons why god has been emphasizing now probably for a couple of decades the heart of the father the love of the father the good god because from that and our encounter with the goodness of god and the good father comes our ability to release that to one another and and another thing to learn is, is 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 which is tough actually is that god treats us according to our destiny according to the calling if you like according to the promise he's put on our life god treats us according to our destiny not our history and he wants us to do the same and he demonstrates that by i mean the first scripture really that talks about this thing called honor it says honor your father and mother that it may go well for you in the land is one of the commandments and the the point about that is your parents are the people you know the most and and probably you know their dirt the most you know their weaknesses the most and it's quite possible that they their behavior has damaged you the most and yet don't hold their history over them find a way of honoring your father and mother and then it'll go well with you in the land that's that's quite a promise but quite a demand it's sort of it's it ties into this don't know people according to their history which can be flawed and and dotted and with failures but know them according to the call the destiny on their life and god does this with us all the time you see it in the story of abraham it's probably the first place I found it, and with the help of Teresa, really saw this in Genesis 18. When the angels come to Abraham, he still doesn't have any children of his own. Sarah's yet to have a baby, uh, and yet the promise is still in force. Uh, and they're about to leave. They've had, kind of had a meal together with Abraham. They're about to leave. Um, and they say this in verse 18, seeing that Abraham shall surely become a great and mighty nation. And all the nations of the earth shall be blessed in him, for I have chosen him that he may that he may command his children and his household after him to keep the way of the Lord. And and, and he, he says this, he says, Shall I hide from Abraham what I'm about to do? Because he's about to be this great person I've called him to be. And then he discloses to him his plans for Sodom and Gomorrah, and they have this conversation. 
So Abraham has yet it was as yet none of the things God had called him to be, but he treated him according to what he called him to be, not according to the ups and downs and history of his life. And really, that that's that's a challenge for us to do this value and honor and appreciation. Is another great word of one another is to keep is to not hold the history of people over them. Uh, and good leadership speaks life over people. It partners with their tomorrow and doesn't keep them hostage to yesterday. And we can all do that for one another. We can partner with their tomorrow and not keep them hostage to their yesterday. Find out what their prophetic words are. Find out what your friend's prophetic words are and help them remember them and see them according to that. And uh, just just to sort of come back to this idea that, that honour is a powerful tool but a destructive weapon, don't, don't weaponise it. Don't judge the environment by how much honour you think it's got in it. If you're an honourable person, if you're a noble-hearted person, a person of great Christian character, see your role to outdo one another in honour. I.e., what that means: if if an environment is lacking in this vital ingredient, your job is not to assess it, but is to introduce it. Your job is to be the catalyst, is to be the source of the thing that is lacking. Uh, that truly is someone who carries this in their heart. They're there. They are the catalysts for it. They are the thermostats and not the honor thermometers. And just to round this round this off today, some of the challenges that we've we've touched on before is in in our culture, which is a bit cynical. Uh, being continually positive about people who have maybe slipped up is seen as a bit unreal and a bit wise, a bit unwise, and maybe a bit false or a bit American. Uh, but but it, it this is none of those things. This is about celebrating God and God in people, and helping call in them up to their true identity at the same time. And it, this doesn't exist in a vacuum. So the parallel reality of of honor is that we do need a culture where there's good feedback, there's confrontation, but it's done in an excellent way. Uh, because this isn't about just tolerating a load of nonsense and lots of bad behaviour. It's actually about helping people live in their calling and drawing out of them the best that God has put inside of them. So <laughs> the ability to speak the truth in love uh, is vital to keep this honour flowing. And that means giving people at times good feedback, but do it in an honour sandwich. Tell them what's amazing about them first. Then maybe say, look, this aspect of your life is is driving me crazy. I don't understand it. Help me. And then give them some more encouragement. And by all means, avoid the you. You're nuts. You're driving me crazy. You're a sinner. Ask, do it in a way where you're asking the question. You're trying to understand why they're doing that. And you're maybe giving them good information about how they are affecting you. But that's a whole other section on how to do uh, brave communication. So I'm just going to pray for us as we've looked at this subject a, a little bit today uh, from from Mark chapter 6. Father God, I pray uh, for everyone who's listening to this that you would help stir us up, help us to hold that posture of respect for others, help us to see the gold and the glory that you put in really in every human being we're in contact with and help us to 
draw that out. And Lord, particularly the people we're familiar with and we, we're aware of their shortcomings and the things that have been frustrating or even damaging to us, help us, God, to release blessing, to, to forgive, but then to get into the positive gear of honour, of value, of celebration, of respect, of appreciation. And, and Father God, I ask you to help us to do this from our hearts and not just in some sort of plastic way. And, and forgive us, Lord, where we've become honour thermometers. Forgive us where we've used it as another way of judging others or our environment. And help us to be powerful influencers for good so that you can come and revive us powerfully and we'll receive the miracles and the anointing and the teaching and the blessing that you want to give us in this season from through whoever you choose to use. Thank you, Lord, and thank you guys for listening in. I'll talk to you next time. Thank you for listening. Find us on Instagram, Facebook, or search Hope Church Glasgow on your favourite podcast player.